And those folks made it very clear, we need to tell our story. So they would drop what they were doing. We knew they were coming off the road, you know, from their own business to make their voices heard in Sacramento. And I would, I would characterize it as probably 95% of the voices at uh, legislative hearings and individuals testifying, probably 95% of those individuals were from trucking, were the independent owner operators. And then you'd have some Uber and Lyft drivers here and there. You'd have some emergency room doctors, believe it or not, who were yeah. saying we, we're independent contractors. We want to continue doing it. But clearly throughout the year of 2019, the voices of those independent owner operators were front and center the whole year. The subject of this week's edition of the Overdrive Radio podcast, an exclusive look at the Supreme Court challenge that finally got off the ground this week against application of California's AB5 contractor law to trucking, which would spell doom for owner-operators' traditional leasing models with motor carriers in that state. So if you're a motor carrier and you're doing business with an owner-operator under a conventional independent contractor agreement where they're operating under your authority, that model is really challenged by AB5. I'm Overdrive Editor Todd Dills, and we're going to drop into the annual symposium event hosted by Overdrive Sister Fleet publication CCJ down in Birmingham, Alabama, which happened this week, bringing together individuals from carriers of all sizes for a few days worth of talks and information sharing. No shortage of fun, too. Among speakers was the man you heard at the top, I had a chance to talk to briefly after a roundtable on the California contractor law and his association's challenge of it. Sure. So first name Sean, last name Yaden, Y-A-D-O-N, CEO of the California Trucking Association. Yaden was describing what he saw with his own eyes on the ground in 2019. As the groundswell of grassroots advocacy rose among owner-operators domiciled in California and leased to motor carriers. The result of that advocacy, though? A myriad of carve-outs in the law by the legislature aimed at a laundry list of professions. Doctors, lawyers, architects, CPAs, engineers, commercial fishermen, newspaper distribution, newspaper carrying, photographers, uh, professional services of all kind, IRS contractors, freelance writers, licensed cosmetologists, financial advisors, realtors, and repro men, to name a few. That's just a short list of... But not independent owner-operators. As transportation attorney Greg Fury made clear for the assembled with that laundry list there, both men had much more to say about the history of how we got to this point, with the California Trucking Association now filing its petition to the Supreme Court and hoping they'll take the case, and owner-operators and their contracting motor carriers still playing the high-stakes waiting game on the outcome. I empathize with, like you said, the, the, the single truck guys and gals out there, I mean, that the, the the confusion and the uncertainty of, of being in this kind of limbo yeah. period makes it tough for everybody. Um, I think a lot of folks are just optimistic saying, we know this is the right thing. We know uh, our ability to operate independently should be protected. So I think there's a lot of hopeful individuals out there that are kind of hanging their hats on this litigation. And, uh, and we're certainly doing that. And we're not, we're not gonna stop the fight. So we knew all roads would lead to the U.S. Supreme Court, and here we are. So uh, again, we feel good about the filing we, we yep. put forth, um, and we'll see if the Supreme Court does the right thing and, and takes it up. While we all wait to learn that eventuality, though, Attorney Fury, you'll hear, will point to models that presumably 
are safe from application of the ABC independent contractor test that's codified in California's AB5 law. The, the flip side of that presumably is this, that instead of being a motor carrier, you broker the freight to that same owner operator who's gone out and got their own motor carrier. Now the legal argument is, under the B prong, remember that's the one we're worried about, judge, I'm in a different trade profession or occupation from the owner operator who's a, who's a motor carrier. First of all, the motor carrier has a lot uh, more and different regulations that they have to operate under. They have a completely different authority. I'm a broker. I actually can't move freight physically from point A to point B under a broker authority. It has to be a motor carrier authority and a motor carrier can't broker freight under motor carrier authority. So this is a pretty compelling, albeit maybe a little technical um, arguments to say property brokerage is a different trade occupation or profession uh, from motor carriage. And Yaden's got certainly much more to say about how the fight against the rule played out over the last few years. Before we hand it off to him though, a brief word from Overdrive Radio's sponsors. Synchrony Car Care is a robust program built for your business and your customers. We offer drivers a way to pay for the services and parts they need today, but there's so much more to Synchrony Car Care. We treat your customers as an extension of your brand, and we don't take it lightly. We're committed to a simple application and fair terms. Let us help drive traffic and drive success for your business. You can find them at synchronybusiness.com slash carcare. FirstGuard provides commercial truck insurance to leased owner-operators done right. As we've done for more than 80 years, we provide physical damage and non-trucking. Many companies make you pay up to six months of insurance premiums up front, but not FirstGuard. We bill monthly, so you get quality insurance without needing to pay a lot of cash up front. Go to FirstGuard.com. That's 1-S-T-Guard.com. FirstGuard. We speak trucker. Let's talk. Um, yeah, how did we get here? Um, the thing I would let everybody know, and, and I'm used to talking to folks, not only in California, but around the country, um, this actually started through a California Supreme Court decision back in 2018 uh, on a case called Dynamics. And in that particular case, that's a small package parcel delivery company, and, and the case involved whether the workers were being classified properly as independent contractors. So in the course of the Supreme Court rendering a decision in that case, they actually created this, what is now the AB5 ABC test, uh, the, the formula, if you will, to uh, classify workers, whether they should be classified as independent contractors or employees. So at the time of that decision in the spring of 2018, by the California Supreme Court, that actually became the law of the land this onerous ABC test that we're facing right now. So fast forward into 2019, the California State Legislature uh, went ahead and uh, took care of Assembly Bill 5, AB 5, to basically codify that California Supreme Court decision. Uh, they went ahead and broadened the scope of, of how AB 5 and this ABC t test would work. Um, but in doing so, they basically formalized that and put it into law. So. Uh, the California Trucking Association, we actually filed litigation against this ABC test early on, back in the fall of 2018. So even prior 
to AB5 coming into play uh, the following year, we had already filed suit. Um, so as that, those deliberations went on during the course of 2019, uh, we were advocating lobbying against AB5 itself. Uh, the one thing I would share with this group, uh, when you looked at the, the hundreds of industries, <clears throat> excuse me, and professions impacted by AB5 and taking away that ability for people uh, to independently contract with, with businesses and others, um, I would tell you this, uh, for all of those different classifications and categories and, and jobs and such, there was no stronger voice. There was, no, there was not a more uh, impassioned voice than from independent owner operators. So when you'd be at the state capitol for these legislative hearings about AB5, you would have a bunch of different industries. You'd have real estate, you'd have, think about anybody who does independent contracting. It, it hit everybody, but there were no larger group than independent owner operators who traveled to Sacramento, came to those hearings, told their personal stories about why uh, they wanted to continue to be able to independently operate and not be shoved into an employee status mode. You heard Yaden commenting to me on this phenomenon during my brief talk with him after the presentation and panel discussion you're hearing now. You heard some of this up top, but here's a little more of what he told me about the grassroots swell of advocacy in Sacramento around AB5 during that time. I think what occurred was as we were communicating outward really to the whole trucking industry, the whole trucking community, about the impacts of AB5 on independent owner operators, that groundswell of education really started to hit individuals. And so then those discussions continued back and forth between our team and the independent owner operators. And those folks made it very clear, we need to tell our story. So they would drop what they were doing. We knew they were coming off the road, you know, from their own business to make their voices heard in Sacramento. and. I would, I would characterize it as probably 95% of the voices at uh, legislative hearings and individuals testifying, probably 95% of those individuals were from trucking, were the independent owner operators. And Yaden continued with the story during the presentation. And even with all of that happening, um, literally over 100 professions and, and industries were carved out of AB5. Uh, but trucking remained in the bill, as did the gig economy and, and several others. But um, just to let the folks know that the, the drivers out there, the professional truck drivers, we all know they want to be able to operate independently. That's their choice, right? Um, when you talk to folks, they, um, so many of them, well more than half uh, the lion's share of drivers out there, independent drivers, have been employees in the past. So they've, they've done that. Uh, they love operating independently. We're out there trying to protect that. So to fast forward where we're at today, uh, we went ahead, we were able to amend our litigation after the passage of AB5. Uh, so we continued that legal challenge to AB5 under the California Trucking Association and a couple of independent owner operators are also listed as the main plaintiffs. We were very fortunate to have a preliminary injunction granted at the U.S. District Court level uh, at the very beginning of the year 2020. That preliminary injunction has stayed in place all the way through today, uh, and that basically prohibits the state of California from enforcing 
AB5, so we're allowed to continue to see independent contracting, uh, independent owner operators operating in California. We all know it's a very confusing time because this court case, uh, we don't know what direction it can possibly go. go. Greg will get into that, I'm sure, as to all of the what ifs of, of what might be happening. Uh, so we've had a lot of twists and turns in our legal challenge. Um, the most recent, I mean, we're sitting here on Thursday morning, we filed our uh, petition for cert before the United States Supreme Court late Monday. So we're here just a couple of days after we put in our petition with the United, United States Supreme Court, and we're asking the U.S. Supreme Court to take up this case. And we're asking them to uh, answer that question, uh, hopefully once and for all, does the Federal Aviation Administration Authorization Act, it's also known as the F4A, does that preempt this type of an ABC test? Uh, we feel very strongly that we are protected by federal preemption and that a state statute like AB5 is preempted and should not apply to the trucking industry. And we can go into more details as to why that's the case or maybe not, but the point is the question now is before the U.S. Supreme Court, and we're very hopeful, as tough as those odds can be of the U.S. Supreme Court accepting that, that petition and, and saying, yes, we will review this, our hope, uh, because this is of such national significance to this industry and to those owner-operators, independent business owners out there, we, we feel this question needs to be resolved once and for all. Uh, and so our hopes are, are kind of pinned on that right now. Uh, there are other avenues down road, but I mean, for now, the fact that we have this preliminary injunction, this protection in place, it will remain in place until we hear back from the Supreme Court. If they decide to hear, hear this case, and Greg will probably get into details of the timing, uh, then we feel very good. We feel very good about um, our chances, but we don't know whether that, that decision uh, will be in our favor as to whether the Supreme Court will take us up. So it's kind of a waiting game right now. And again, a lot at stake, not just in California, but really across the country based on how this plays out. The next voice you'll hear is that of Jason Cannon, my colleague over at CCJ, where he's editor. He's pitching to transportation attorney, Greg Fury, whom you also heard a bit from at the top of the podcast. Well, I guess, Greg, to speak to the timing question, uh, any idea what sort of time frame for the Supreme Court? I mean, obviously, that we're looking at, I guess, a couple of different time frames when they decide they'll hear it and then once they actually hear it. So uh, you have any sort of, I guess, maybe averages of how long something like that might take? Um, you're probably looking at four to six months before the cert petition is reviewed and, and either taken up by the Supreme Court or not. Uh, if we assume that the Supreme Court will uh, hear the case, you're probably then another year out, maybe longer, till you actually have a, a decision from the Supreme Court. So you're you're about a year and a half away, if we're lucky, a year and a half away from a from a decision. What are the I guess the implications that if they uphold, if they agree with the state of California? Because it I mean it sounds pretty clear cut and dry that you can't be an owner operator in the state of California, right? Yeah, let me, maybe I, Jason, I'll back up and explain what the ABC test is. Sure. And kind of how this fire was uh, lit. 
The ABC test is, it has three factors or three prongs, but it is not a multi-factor test. A multi-factor test is various factors that a court would weigh and, and almost uh, determine how many factors support independent contractor status and how many support employee status. And, and if a majority of the factors support independent contractor status, then, then the worker's an independent contractor. The ABC test is the plaintiff, plaintiff's opportunity, the person trying to prove that they're uh, an employee, their opportunity to have three bites at the apple to make that happen. And what's more difficult, they don't have to prove it, it's the company, the motor carrier in our case, has to show that the worker is an independent contractor. They have to show, A, that there is no detailed control over the uh, owner-operator's work. I'm gonna go to C. C, that the, that, that owner-operator independently established their business, the way that's usually shown is that the business would continue even if the independent contractor no longer uh, provided services to the motor carrier. But the B prong, I, I saved to last because it's the, it's the highest hurdle. The motor carrier has to prove that the owner-operator is not in the same trade, profession, or occupation as the motor carrier. As most of you know, if you've followed this issue at all over the last few years and Overdrive's extensive reporting on it, the ABC test isn't a three strikes and you're out kind of thing, to use the baseball analogy. Rather, it's one strike and you're out. Fail to satisfy even the problematic B portion of that test, difficult for carriers with traditional federally recognized exclusive lease contracts with owner-operators, and the owner is contracted no more. There's one exception that Fury knows of, though, and he describes case law here. Now, there is an Indiana Supreme Court case that actually does hold under that ABC test that an owner-operator is an independent contractor, but that, and it's, a, it's, the, it's the Indiana Supreme Court, so it's an important court, but, but it's somewhat of an outlier decision because you have to get a judge, and in this case, um, left-leaning judges, judges that aren't predisposed to actually leaning in favor of these arguments in the first instance, you have to explain to them that being a motor carrier is very different than being an owner-operator. Now, the people in this room, uh, Jason, they, they know the difference, but judges are uh, so far inclined to look at it as trucking is trucking is trucking, you're both in trucking, you're both in the same trade occupation or profession, game over. You've not, even if you've proved the A prong and the C prong, you haven't proved the B prong. The Teamsters um, have been in favor of this test for a very long time. But if I were to, and, and, and I, I gotta take a step back for just a second and tell you this, because he won't. Uh, Sean Yaden, I've known him for a long time. Um, he's among the best executives in the, the state trucking associations. If this is gonna happen, happening in a state like California or even Alabama, but in, in California, he's fighting the battle for the entire country and his leadership has been really, really critical to us getting to a point uh, where we look, it looks like we, we should win this battle, but trying to marshal everybody in and, and the money, uh, you know, what is it, $2 million? Yep to go to the Supreme Court 
uh, I'm sure everybody can appreciate the, the costs associated with that and getting you know, 5,000 and 10,000 and 15,000 and maybe 1,000 and maybe $500 in to make that happen. So Sean really, uh, you know, we owe him a debt of gratitude regardless of how this falls. Uh, but anyways, let me go back to something that probably people remember. There was a USA Today series of articles, there were three articles um, called Rigged. And some of you may recall them, some may not, but uh, it was written by a young reporter from um, uh, Berkeley who had written his senior thesis on indentured servitude in America, slavery basically. And he effectively said that that's what's going on in the ports uh, of LA and Long Beach was motor carriers taking advantage of owner operators. and 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 casting them into slavery. They hardly make any money at all. They force them to buy those trucks and then they, they don't pay them. And while I won't deny that that situation has occurred and probably still does occur, the, the rank and file in the trucking industry don't do that. Matter of fact, just the opposite. Um, Sean commissions a study where the owner operators are making somewhere around what, 10% to 15% more yes. than a company driver. Now, these guys that are working hard and, and building their own businesses are actually making a lot of money. But here's what's interesting about that article. Came out, it's front page news for the US Today over about a, I think a two month period. Justice Ginsburg in uh, an American Trucking Association argument at the U.S. Supreme Court at one point asks uh, the lawyer arguing that, that case, and it had to do with independent contractor status, she says, but sir, in all due respect, isn't this whole system rigged? And it was shortly after the USA Today series of articles had come out, literally influencing, at least you, one would think, a Supreme Court justice. You've seen laws passed in the state of California with their preambles making reference to a journal article. And not, and not you know, it's a USA Today uh, piece. It's, it, it wasn't particularly well researched um, and it was certainly quite biased. Uh, that leads you to some high profile cases in California and ultimately to dynamics, um, really a, a case with some bad facts, to be honest. Uh, and now here we are on April 28th, when a three panel, uh, three judge panel at the Ninth Circuit rules on, at that time, a case called CTA uh, versus Becerra. That was uh, Sean's uh, challenge to the, uh, uh, California AB5. And the court basically ruled against um, keeping a preliminary injunction in place. It, it had come up from a, a lower district court that said, the federal district judge said, I think the likelihood of federal preemption to stop this law from applying to the trucking industry is very high. I'm enjoining this law from being applied to trucking in California. The Ninth Circuit says, now, 
This is a law of general applicability. This AB5 is not a law that was ever intended to directly regulate trucking. It regulates all of the industries in California. Now, I find that interesting because you have two choices in passing a law, in, in enacting a law or writing a law. You can either have it apply to everyone and then exempt out travel agents, insurance agents, doctors, lawyers, architects, CPAs, engineers, commercial fishermen, newspaper distribution, newspaper carrying, photographers, uh, professional services of all kind, IRS contractors, freelance writers, licensed cosmetologists, financial advisors, realtors, and repro men, to name a few. That's just a short list of a very long list. You can pass a law and say it applies to everybody except almost everybody. And then when you do that, you have a law of general applicability. You've passed a law that is not directed to the trucking industry. You've passed a law that applies to everybody except for everybody but the trucking industry and a few more industries. So they certainly understood where the Ninth Circuit was gonna come out on this when they even wrote the law. And the Ninth Circuit has had a history of, of, of being very obviously activist. I, I, uh, I, I can't now remember the justice that said this. Um, there was an appeal to the uh, Ninth Circuit and the justice says, this case comes to us from the Ninth Circuit, but there's even better reasons to reject this case. So it, it's had a long history of, of activism. And there is a, there is a case uh, that, that uh, Sean's attorneys are relying on. It's Ginsburg versus Northwest Airlines, where the court basically says, it doesn't have to be a law that's directly regulating the trucking industry or uh, to, to be preempted by the F-Quad-A or the F-4-A. So where we sit today is, and Jason, you and I talked earlier, the, the, the ruling isn't about directly about independent contractor status. It's about the, that is a byproduct of this ruling. The question really is this, can a state law uh, impact prices, routes, and services of motor carriers. And it's a question not only of, of state rights, but it's also a question uh, that involves um, justices that, are, that want to protect business. Uh, we think it will, if they take the case, it will fall in our favor. Um, will they or will they not take the case? It has a couple of pretty important um, parts of the recipe. It has to be an important question, it has to be a federal question, and it has to be, there has to be a split of circuits before the Supreme Court will typically take a case. But now, because so much goes up to the Supreme Court, about 2,000 petitions every session, and they take about 90 cases out of those 2,000, it really has to be a deep split in the, in the circuits. And we have that here too. We have the first circuit that's, that uh, uh, said a, a similar test in Massachusetts was preempted. And we have the third and seventh circuit though, while they did not uphold F quad A preemption, the reasoning was consistent with our arguments in, uh, now it's called CTA versus Bonta because Becerra was the attorney general at the time the case was filed and then 
uh, Bonta was uh, put in place as the attorney general. So sorry for the, uh, I'm not even sure I answered the question you first asked. I, I did what an attorney did was kind of redirect it into something I can talk to, but, <laughs> but, sorry. but that's kind of where we're, we're at. If, if the, the case is not taken by the Supreme Court, you can expect left-leaning states uh, such as, uh, uh, Ma uh, not Massachusetts because it's preempted there, uh, New Jersey, Washington, Illinois, Colorado. I think Alabama is safe. Alabama has a statute that deems owner-operators to be independent contractors, but you're gonna see some of the blue states take this ABC test and apply it, and you really, we will be dealing with almost two different um, laws applying to the same person, depending on where they're driving, you know, sometimes they're gonna be independent contractors, sometimes they're gonna be employees. It's, it's, uh, it's really a patchwork quilt and, and kind of a mess if it, if it goes that direction. So that, that would set up a scenario to where business conditions in one state, it, or, you know, you're, you've got an owner operator that's contracted to haul, but if they drive through a state to where you can't use an owner operator I mean, that, that's going to kind of reinvent your entire business model there. You may have to dodge an entire state. That, that's, that's the argument, the one the day in Mass, um, Massachusetts Delivery Association versus Coakley. That's the First Circuit. And that's, that's effectively what they said is, wait a minute, you've got a guy that's entered into a contract in the state of Virginia where he has acknowledged that he's an independent contractor, he's got his own business, but if he delivers into the state of Massachusetts, as soon as he crosses the state border, he's an employee and he's entitled to all these employment rights. But he's certainly no, he's, in effect, he's lost his business at the moment he crosses into Massachusetts. He becomes the employee of the motor carrier. And Sean's point is really the compelling point to all of this. It's not hard to find, well, let me give you a, an anecdote. Um, Big motor carrier, you guys all know this, this is, this is public information, uh, intermodal carrier called Hub Group. Class action in uh, Los Angeles, and their determination was that they were gonna settle this case and move on, and they frankly weren't even gonna use owner operators anymore. They could see the writing on the walls, too much litigation, too much cost. We're just gonna turn to a, a company driver fleet, and they sat down and offered all their owner operators a deal they bought their trucks, they gave them a uh, signing bonus, they became employees of the company. And that was great for about a month. And within three to six months, there was you know, something less than 100 of those um, several hundred owner operators that even stayed as company drivers. They don't wanna be company drivers. There's an opportunity, you know, what, what's the statistic, Sean, 10 to one? That if I'm an owner-operator and I want to be an employee driver, I have 10 opportunities to every one opportunity to be an owner-operator to be a company driver. Yeah. If I wanted to do that, it wouldn't be that hard to do. Yeah. Um, and, and the owner-operators are very much in favor of, they, they, they didn't get pushed into being uh, independent entrepreneurs. They, they chose that as what they wanted to do, build a, build a business. So it, it's... You know, I don't want to be um, too controversial, but it really feels very anti-American to when you when you look at what's going on here. It's it's really paternalism, protectionism. Um, the state of California feeling as though 
the issue of wage and wage protection is the, the most significant social welfare um, benefit in the state and they want to pass a law that makes it very, very difficult for anyone to be an independent contractor. And in Dynamics, the California Supreme Court put it all out there just that way. They didn't try to hide that uh, agenda. That was their stated agenda. I guess my next question is, the Supreme Court ruling, whichever way it goes, does that set any sort of precedent for any other state that can you challenge, like use Alabama as an example, could I challenge Alabama's standing and point to the Supreme Court's ruling as something that should supersede it? Well, what the Supreme Court's gonna rule is that in this instance, this law either is preempted by the federal, um, by a federal law or it is not. So versus saying, hey, uh, these types of workers are independent contractors. That's not, even though that's the byproduct of the decision, that's not the decision. So issues of federal preemption do come up across the country from time to time, but I, I don't know that that will necessarily change uh, if you're an Alabama motor carrier the operating in the, the South and Southeast. Most of the laws in the South and Southeast with some North Carolina being a bit of an outlier in that regard. Most of the laws support independent contractor status for owner operators. So I don't know that you're necessarily gonna run into it until you go up to the New England states or Illinois or out to the West. Uh, once you do that, you're, gonna, you're likely, if the Supreme Court uh, doesn't take this case or rules against us, uh, then you'd likely have to change your business model in those in those states. Uh, one of our text questions is: Does does Pennsylvania or New York have any protection? Um, Pennsylvania has a case called Universal Amcan, which was decided in 2000 by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. That's very strongly in support of independent contractor status. Um, the state of New York passed a law in 2014 called the New York Fair Play Act. And while New York certainly is a left-leaning state, I'm not sure the legislature will jump on AB5 because they just passed this New York Fair Play Act. I know it was in 2014, but you know, Sean can tell you that's still pretty recent right. that, that the yep. legislature wouldn't probably uh, touch that. It, you know, that's not an easy uh, law to pass, but it is a multi-factor law, the New York uh, Fair Play Act. Uh, next question, and I get maybe for both of you guys, it's um, you seem to have a lot of confidence that the Supreme Court will, will hear the case and that uh, CTA is on, on the right side of it. Uh, what gives you that confidence? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'd say confidence that they'll take it up. You know, Greg correctly outline the historical, just the numbers game, right, of how many uh, petitions come to the U.S. Supreme Court. So in terms of a hill, that's a steep hill to climb. But I would say I feel really good about the, the filing that we put forth and, and how we've posed that question and very clearly articulated uh, that deep circuit split that Greg said is really one of the criteria that we hope that the U.S. Supreme Court would take a look at. If you think about it, if you have a circuit split with the First Circuit ruling one way and the Ninth, and, and Greg mentioned a couple of the other circuits, but when you have that type of a split, I mean, where else can you go to get that rectified but the U.S. Supreme Court? 
Uh, so if you look at, you know, perhaps one of their, their big purposes would be to be uh, that final decision maker on something like this. So um, I guess the way I would say it is not as, mu not as much confident that will be taken up. Uh, our huge hope is that we will, but more along the lines of if we are um, heard by the Supreme Court and, and, and they take us up, then we feel good about our chances at that point. So really that's, that's the steep hill right now is getting through that clutter, if you will, of, of all of those other petitions that are on their way or already sitting in front of the Supreme Court right now. Yeah, if you think about it, it it's difficult to sit here and say, I think they're gonna take, you know, if you had a bunch of hanging chads and what was in the balance was who's gonna be the president, I think you're pretty confident Supreme Court's going to address that case. In this case, it, it's really difficult to be confident that, that that will occur, in part because some of what the Supreme Court is weighing is, what are all the other cases that we're being asked to, to address? And if they only address 90, maybe 100 in a session, and there's 100 more compelling issues than, than this issue, you're out of luck. Another text question. If an independent contractor gets their own authority, how does that impact leases, leased and broker loads based on current contract language? Uh, I like that case, right? If, so if you're a motor carrier and you're do, doing business with an owner operator under a conventional independent contractor agreement where they're operating under your authority, that model is really challenged by AB5. The, the flip side of that presumably is this, that instead of being a motor carrier, you broker the freight to that same owner operator who's gone out and got their own motor carrier. Now the legal argument is under the B prong, remember that's the one we're worried about, judge, I'm in a different trade profession or occupation from the owner operator who's a, who's a motor carrier. First of all, the motor carrier has a lot uh, more and different regulations that they have to operate under. They have a completely different authority. I'm a broker. I actually can't move freight physically from point A to point B under a broker authority. It has to be a motor carrier authority, and a motor carrier can't broker freight under motor carrier authority. So this is a pretty compelling, albeit maybe a little technical, uh, arguments to say property brokerage is a different trade occupation or profession uh, from motor carriage. No one here would argue that C.H. Robinson is in the same business as Landstar. Um, they are all in the general rubric of being in the trucking industry for sure, but not in the same trade occupation or profession. So I like that argument. We'll see if we have to make it, and we'll see how the, again, left-leaning judges uh, accept or reject that argument. And this may be our last question, but it's, uh, is there anything we can do proactively ahead of the court's decision? I, and maybe this would be specific to uh, carriers who are not in the state of California. Should, should everybody be reevaluating their independent contractor contracts? Is, should they be reaching out to you know, their local representation? Is, is, is there anything anybody can do? Well, I, I, I think you're, you're always, you know, I'm not going to sit up here and say, hey, no worries, don't, don't do anything. Um, if, you're oper if you're a regional operator in Alabama, Georgia, Florida, Louisiana, I'm not sure I'd be pressing the panic button or really thinking 
uh, I, gosh, I got to change my model and I got to do it now because the upheaval of that could cost you more than what might happen in the next five to 10 years. On the, on the flip side, if you're uh, dependent on uh, operating to, through, or, or, or uh, from certain of these blue states or left-leaning states, I think you really have to seriously think, can I pivot to a brokerage model where my owner-operators are motor carriers? Can I, you know, can I change to an employment model in those states? Um, there's, there's four or five strategies. There's a, a strategy called the two-check system. Um, th there's some things that you at least want to explore and remember anything that you do first starts with the customer, right? So if you decide, well, I think I will be a property broker and tender to authorized motor carriers that, are, that used to be my owner operators, you got to go back to your customer and say, can I sign a, con a shipper contract that, that makes me a, a broker and not a motor carrier? So some of that exploration is just kind of socializing the idea of changing your model with, with, your, uh, with the shipping public. No doubt plenty to think about there. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with additional support from Overdrive Extra contributing writer Paul Morhofer, Overdrive News Editor Matt Cole, Social Media Coordinator Holly Young, and Executive Editor Alex Lockie. Until next time, keep it pro out there.